0: This meeting is being recorded. All right. So the topic for uh, the topic for tonight is um, the Rashbam's preoccupation or seeming preoccupation with Kehichivayitzim Yadi. Now the reason for the topic of Kehichivayitzim Yadi is, of course, that we see that in in the parsha of the week, in Parsha Ekev, we talk about. The fear, as it were, that the Jewish people are going to say when they have success, they're going to be all proud, and they're going to end up saying, they're going to take credit for their success, and they're not going to give credit where credit is due to Hashem. So, my argument tonight is going to be the following. The Rashbam as we know and we've seen already now throughout the first four books, is relatively laconic. Right, of all the Mufarsham on the page, he writes the least. So if he's constantly hammering home a point, it seems that it is therefore able to be argued that for the Rashbam, K'echi V'atim Yadi was a point that was important to him, and I think I'll be able to show how he is repeatedly reiterating the point. It's not to say that he's sometimes going off the shot of the psukkim, sometimes that seems to be well clearly what the psukkim say, but the fact that he decides to comment on it and call it out, it seems that he has a preoccupation with the point. So let's let's begin. So again, I'd like to start out with last week's parsha. At the end of last week's parsha the Pasik tells us Am. It's not because the Jewish people are so many that Hashem has chosen you, right? By Ivcharbrahem, that he's chosen you to, to be his Am segula, to be his treasure nation. Why? Hama'at amin. Because you are the smallest of all the nations. So why then did Hashem choose you? The passage continues, Ki me'avas Hashem aschem, because Hashem loves you, nishbaa And because of the fact that he is adhering to the shvua that he promised to your forefathers. So there's, there's a, a two-pronged reason that Hashem has chosen you to be the am segula. One, is because of the fact that he loves you, and the second to adhere to the shvur, the promise that he made to Avraham Yitzchak and Yakad. But going back to the pasuk of Le'mirubchem, you're not a lot of, you're not a, a, a large nation. Says the Rashbam the following question, he says, An He says, you know, wise people, discerning people are going to be very bothered by this pasuk. Why is it very bothered by this pasuk? Did Meshur Rabbeinu in his farewell address think that the Jewish people were mistaken in this matter? Did the Jewish people think that they were the Chinese? Did the Jewish people think that they were really so incredibly numerous? They had to be told, by the way, you're not so numerous. Jewish people are very small. Do the Jewish people not know that they're a small nation? The Jews have been a small nation for the entire history. We are acutely aware of the fact that we are such a small nation. Do we need Meshach Rabbeinu to tell us that? Says the Rashbam the following. This is the Pshat. The Pshat is the following. V'shem you might think, the Jewish people might think, not that we're like the Chinese, not that we're the Indians. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not anywhere near that size. But you might have thought that the Jewish people at that time, they might have thought that, you know, we are, relatively speaking, a big nation compared to the seven nations living in the land of Israel, living in the land of Eretz Canaan. And when we come into the land and we throw them out and we vanquish and conquer the land of Canaan, we're going to have done it. We're going to have done it with the strength of our army and the might of our air force or whatever the equivalent was in those days. Says the Rashbam, Moshe Rabbeinu was coming to tell the Jewish people, Loy mirubim atem mikol sheva ammen. "You're not even anywhere near as big as the seven nations in the land of Canaan." So, in other words, the whole reason for this pasuk of Loy mikol am, "Is to ensure that the Jewish people won't make a mistake and think that they are actually potentially responsible for their victory. Because they might have thought that after all. The Pasuk told us they were they became very numerous in Egypt. And even though many people died during the times in the desert, there were still many Jews left over. In, in all the countings, there were many able-bodied Jews between the ages you know, over 20 to 60 who could fight, you might think. That they would therefore feel that victory was due to their prowess, their martial prowess, their ability to wage war in a in a smart way, says Rosh That's what Moshe is coming to tell them. You are the smallest of all nations. You are smaller even smaller than any of the seven nations in the land of Canaan, and therefore the reason that Hashem is letting you win is not be- the reason that you're winning is not because you're so powerful it's because Hashem is letting you win Hashem wants you to win Hashem is willing you to win so don't think of this as yasel yasel rather it's Hashem don't think it's because of your numerosity that you're getting the victory because of the fact that you're more numerous than the nations in the land of Canaan which are relatively small you would think after all, Eretz is a relatively small land. It's divided up among seven different nations. Maybe you would think you're bigger than them. No. You're not bigger than them. The reason that you're winning is only because Hashem wants you to win. Now, from its face, this puzzle has nothing to do with k'echi ve'etzim yadi. The, the, the measurement just told the Jewish people that, that you're at Amsugula. Hashem has chosen you as his treasure nation. And... The reason is not because you're so numerous cuz you're really small. The reason he chose you cuz he loves you. The reason he chose you cuz he is adhering to the Shur of to the to the Zadas, to the Elta Zedas. It has nothing to do with fighting in the land of Israel. It has nothing to do with fighting in the seven nations. It has nothing to do with Khayivatsimyadi. The Brahm is going out into left field and dragging in Khayivatsimyadi here not an obvious read at all from the Pesach. For the Rajbam, who is the man who always is going to give us the cleanest pshat, or at least he thinks he's going to give us the cleanest pshat, this doesn't seem to have anything to do with pshat. So the question is, why is he doing it? And again, I think the answer is, because the Rajbam has a preoccupation with k'echi v'ayitzim yadi. Now, you might wonder, okay, that's perfect, there's in Pashas of Khanen, very nice, but where else in Chumash does the Rajbam say this? Why did I come up with the theory that the Rajbam has a preoccupation with K'echi Yadi? The reason for that is because, as I mentioned at the outset, the Rajbam writes in a laconic fashion. He writes very, very short courts of He writes less than anybody else in the sort of standard Macarels of so if he's writing a lot about something, it seems quite purposeful. So there is one other place before that initially clued me into the fact that why is the Rashbam writing a whole soliloquy, which is so not Kedakib for him, that is 100% to do with Kachib And we didn't get a chance to do that because that was around Pesach time and we were not focused on doing the Rashbam's so now I'd like to go back to a Rajbam that we never had a chance to do. And this is a Rajbam in Vayikra, in Parshas Mr The Rajbam in Parshas Mr says the following. Over here he's talking about the mitzvah of Sukkah. You're all familiar that the Torah says in Parshas Emmar that there's a mitzvah to sit in a Sukkah. Why is that? You have to sit in a sukkah because when I took you out of Egypt, you sat in booths, you sat in sukkahs. So there's a famous in the Gemara, whether or not these were sukkahs mamish, whether they were sitting in actual booths or in an ananiach covered, some sort of heavenly canopy that, that encased and encloaked them, encloaked them that protected them against the enemies and the elements. The Rajabhaam says the following over here. The Rajabhaam says, Clearly what we're talking about as a matter of shot has to be that they were sitting in booths. Not in tents, not in, not in, not in, not in a That's a simple reading, he says. So, why? What's the point? Why do we have to commemorate this? Why are we making a sukkah? Why are we making booths? And then he says the following, You want another reason for this? The reason is as follows. Later on, in Deuteronomy, later on in Devarim, in Parshas Re'eh, the Pasuk tells us that you have to do, to celebrate the Chag when you do it for seven days. At the time that you are in-gathering, that you're gathering up the harvest, for the various different uh, things of your wheat and your wine, etc. So, says the Rashbam, the reason for this is because it's a chaga HaOsef, it's Kuvah Sashonah. It is a harvest festival. What's the thing with a harvest festival? The issue is the following. The Aspachas Tavuah HaAretz, when you are harvesting your successful season, when you're bringing it all into the barn, then your your houses are full of all the good stuff. So then the terrorist says to you, "Hashem says, I sat the Jewish people in booths for forty years in the desert, without there being any sort of town or city or normal normal or normative place to live." So by you going out into the booth, it reminds you of the fact that Hashem sat you in booths for 40 years when there was no place to other way to, no other, you know, it it was no yeshuv, there was no normal way to survive. And nevertheless, Hashem sat you and had you survive for all those years. So now, when you inherited the land, and now, when you have all the good stuff hanging out in your barn that you just harvested, now we go out into the booths, and therefore we say, And you don't say that, you know, the reason I have all this good stuff is because of me. The reason I have all this good stuff is first of all because Hashem took care of us, and He got us to this place where we got the land of Israel and inherited the land of Israel. Remember, what we just said before, even the seven nations were bigger than us, so we inherited the, the land of Israel miraculously, so we shouldn't say, yadi, when we inherited the land, and we shouldn't say, yadi, in years to come, after we inherited the land, and we're now harvesting the land, and we're enjoying the land, we shouldn't say, yadi, even on a regular year, we should go outside, we should go out to the, to the field, put up a tent, a booth, a sukkah, and we sit in there, and we remember that it's not Khaychaviyat and, and guess what? We find this idea in And he brings down our prospect that we have in this week's parsham. Why am I commanding you to do this? Hashem is the one who's bringing you into this land and is giving you all this good. And you're gonna forget. And you're gonna think, Viramlaveka, you're gonna think that it's all because of you. It's Kim Tumir because of all of my ishtadlas. On that, I baruch Hu is saying, no no no. You're gonna say, yadi Asal You have to remember You have to remember Because he's the one who's giving you the Karach Lassaskhail. And therefore concludes the Rajbam. We leave our houses that are full of all the good stuff that we just harvested. At the time of the harvest. And we sit in Sukkais. They didn't have any nakal in the desert. They didn't have any harvest in the desert. They didn't have homes. They didn't have homes. And this is why God installed the commandment to have the holiday of sukkahs, at the time specifically of the harvest, so you shouldn't get too proud or too haughty at your success on this past harvest. Because you're going to say that your hands are the ones that effectuated this success. This is a very verbose Rajbam. This is very much not the normal way the Raj writes, right? I mean, this is maybe an Abayr Barbarael a uh, uh, Abayr Benel light, right? But this is not the way the Raj normally writes. This is a very long Raj To explain the mitzvah of Sukkot, he seems to be suggesting two different elements. One is the fact that you remember and thank God for the fact that he sat us in Sukkot in the desert below Yishuv when there was no uh, uh, easy and obvious way to survive. And the second, to ensure... That when you're sitting in the Sukkah, that you don't ever make a mistake to think that the reason that your house and your barn are full and stuffed to the brim with all the successful harvest, that you don't think it was you? That you remember it was God who took you out of Egypt. He's the one who sat you in the booths for 40 years. And He's the one who's given you this land. And He's the one who's given you the success. So the Rajbam is specifically tying in. <laughs> to the conquering of the land of Israel, and then to living in the land of Israel, and specifically within the mitzvah of Sukkot. And of course, if you look in Parshat A, over there the Rashbam talks about the Chag Asukas, you know, He says exactly as I said it back in Parshat Emmar. Now to be clear, if you look at the differences in Parashas Ray and Emmer of the holidays, and, and Parashas Pinchas is very fascinating, the differences. We don't have the ability to discuss that right now. It's not sort of on point for the Rashbam But if you look, you'll see that in Parashas Ray, we don't talk about the Arba We're just talking about the Chagasukkah's aspect of it. So it makes perfect sense about why he's connecting the Sukkahs in Parashas Ray back to his commentary in Parashas Emmer, which is on the Basukkah's Teshuv. All right. But, as I said, it seems to me that the Rajbam had a bit of a preoccupation. And we've given a couple of examples, but I would like to go through some more. So everybody knows about Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron and Akayin, that they brought an azara and they died. What they did has been debated throughout Chazal, the Mefarshim over the years. So many different reasons are given. Right, they were Mera Halacha Rabbi, right, they were Shesuya Yayin, they didn't get married. They they were an Zara. I mean, there's literally right myriad reasons that 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 they, they, they were potentially guilty of. So the pasuk says. The pasuk says, very simply, why were not and avio killed? The simplest reading of the pasuk is. They brought an Eish Zara. They brought a strange fire, one that was not commanded of them. That's the most simple reason of what Nadav and Avihu did. If you look at Rashi over there, Rashi says, well, what, what does that mean? Well, you know, the reason that they died was because either they were Marah Rabbi, or they were Shesu or, you know, um, the 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 other reasons that I, I, I mentioned a couple of which before okay but what do the Pusik say the Pusik said it was an esh zara that is um also repeated in paris lacharimai where the pusik says in paris lacharimai mm-hmm. the question on what the carvers means it doesn't say Ash zara but there are other times in the tarot the Torah does say H zara so the bekar v'asam could be perhaps something a little bit different, which is what gives Chazal the ability to bring the other pshatim. But every other place mentions that of an dying three times. It's always because of an age Zara. Alright, so the so here's the Rajabam. The Rajabam says, you want to know why none of died? The reason that of died was because they brought an Eish Zara. <speaking in Hebrew> even though on the other days of the Miloam, they were supposed to put what a fire on the Mizbeach, Today, on the last day of the Miloam, they were not meant to put a fire on the Mizbeach. Even though normally say, why does the the Kahanan have to bring a fire? Obviously, Hashem brings the fire, what I have to have? No, we bring it also, because maybe even from the head yet it does. It, it it's a little bit of a Shtadloss, and a kodesh fills it up. On this day, says the Rashbam, Moshe did not want there to be an iota, a flicker of a flame, that was brought by a human being. Why why not? They were hoping that there would be a heavenly fire. And therefore, on this day, it was not good for them to bring any fire, so that the heavens should be sanctified. That everyone will know because this fire came from heaven. If you remember, by our time fought with before he davened for the fire to come, he first what. He first washed them as beach and put so much water on it. He doused them as bech with water, so there shouldn't be any shemitz of a doubt. There should be one hundred percent conclusive that when I cut it, when the fire comes down, that the fire is coming down from Hashem only. So that's what he says. Meisher Rabanan wanted to do here. Meisher Rabanan, the Mishkan wanted to have a situation like the Jews had by Elio and Carmel when they said Hashemul They couldn't deny it. It was open and obvious to all that The fire was being yared from Shammai My Ben was trying to effectuate the similar thing over here by the by the Milun That therefore no one should bring any fire and the fire when it comes down will be obvious to all that it came from Hashem But none of an doing that But none of an doing that um, that, what, that what they did was they stopped that ability by bringing that age zara that strange fire that it was no longer a hundred percent sure that it was from hashem it could be it was just a fire that humans started that got bigger it was no longer open and obvious that this was a nace it was a miracle and was attributable to god what i'm gleaning from this rashbam is he's taking the azar of course literally but what's the problem with the Eish zara? it wasn't a fact, the fact the simple reading of the Pesach which is, they weren't commanded to bring a fire and they did, that's why it was strange no, it's not the that he's talking about it's not any of the other reasons that he's mentioned about Chazal about Merah Halacha no, no, he's taking it literally Azar, czar, it's a strange fire so what's the problem, the Pesach says it was strange because it wasn't commanded no, says so I'll give you a reason. There's a reason why this strange fire that wasn't commanded is a problem. You would have thought that maybe just bringing the fire without being commanded that's enough of a problem. No. The problem is that by bringing this fire that wasn't commanded, it, it as it were, lessened or challenged the ability for Moshe Rabbeinu to tell the Jewish people. You see, this fire came down from heaven, absolutely. And it was all from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and there's no possible permutation where you could blame any of this on a human being. But because not of, of you were smarter, they were Ay-Buchim's, They brought, they started the fire. So when the fire came down from heaven, it was, there was plausible deniability. The Jewish people could say it wasn't Hakadosh Baruch Hu, it was not many of, and, of you. and somehow the fire got bigger, or lasted longer, whatever. So what what do I see here? I see here the fact that what is the issue in the that we talk about? The issue is that do you attribute the success, credit, or do you take it all for yourself? And the Rashbam's concern that we've seen already a few times is that God will not get the requisite credit. That the human beings are going to take the credit. So in this example, it's not that a of you are taking the credit. They're not taking any credit. It's the Jewish people are not going to give credit where credit is due. They're not going to realize that this fire was from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They're going to potentially attribute some of it to Dandav and and that's a problem. So it's not in this case of It's and Aviyu. It's in the sense that the Jewish people are going to see the fire as being human construct, and that's an issue. And by the way, the rajabam says something very similar albeit with a nuanced difference when it comes to hitting the rock all right we all know we did it you know in parsa's um hookah so we're not going to get you know get back into it now but we did many weeks ago when we discussed that we discussed Moshe hitting the rock what was the problem with Moshe hitting the rock we mentioned numerous different opinions all right there are some that said that the problem was that he got angry some that said the problem was that that he hit the rock. Some people said that that he was supposed to hit the rock. Some people said that he gave bad mussar and he got he lost his temper the way he spoke. Everybody's got their reason as to what the issue was. But again, read the psukim carefully. The pasuk says, You didn't sanctify him in the eyes of the Jewish people. therefore you're not going to bring them in. And then the pasuk continues. And the Pazik says, You're not going to bring them into the land of Israel. This is the Jewish people for God. And he was sanctified there. How was he sanctified there? You just said he wasn't sanctified. You didn't believe in me. You weren't faithful enough to me to sanctify me. But yet, was he sanctified or wasn't he sanctified? He became sanctified? How how was where was the sanctification? In what way was the sanctification at May Mariba? The Rajabam is again a very subtle reader of the text. And I think he's exactly on this point. And he says the following He says Meish Rabina was not wrong for hitting the rock. Why? Because he hit the rock already before, many years before, in the beginning of the forty years. There was another place where Jews didn't have water, right back in Piles of Peshalach, and Hashem said, "Take the, the stick, and hit the rock." Here Hashem said, "Take the stick." He didn't say. He said, the melasela." But Meir the thought that speaking to the rock is done via hitting it. After all, it's a rock. You don't speak to a rock, you know. In the, in the in the same kind of high f- vocabulary right you wouldn't speak to an adult the same way you speak to a kid so much thought that the way you speak to rocks is by hitting them after all he had pre- prior experience so on that it was a simple mistake so the pu uh, so the Raj says this is how you speak to rocks that's why he hit the rock twice. So what's the problem? The problem is, Hashem was okay to take out water because of the hitting of the rock. But he still gets punished. Why? Hashem is very madacted, even a little mistake. In this case, he misunderstood Hashem's intention. He thought Hashem said, Speak to the rock. The way you speak to rocks is by hitting them. It was an honest mistake, but even an honest mistake is enough not to go into the land of Israel. So what do I mean when I say the Rosh is very nuanced? So you see, he's not attributing any major sin to Meir Many of the other commentators attribute a big sin at Meir level, right? That he got too angry. He he castigated the Jewish people too strongly. You might call him Shimonah Merim. Or by hitting the rock twice? Says no. he, the Rashbam, no. Mesh He there was no problem with any of that stuff. The problem was, just a tad, that he misunderstood Baruch Baruch's command in an honest way. No issues. He didn't lose his temper at all. No, no problem with that. And then he f- finishes off the Vaikadej bum and he says the following shot. He says, Shehuk Tash Ba Mayyim Mikomakim. Hashem was still sanctified in May Mariva. Mikom Makim Hashem was still sanctified in May Mariva. You wanna know what do I mean? The Af al Pish Shalai Dibbral Asal, even though they didn't speak to the rock, You remember Rashi. Right? Rashi says, what does it mean, Yan Lay and Mantamilahti Shani? You didn't sanctify me in what way? Because if you had spoken to the rock, the Jewish people will be able to make a kavachaimer. What's the kavachaimer the Jewish people can make? The Jewish people could say, "Umarach, a rock, right? It doesn't have schar or einish, doesn't have, and yet it still listens." So as kama, human beings who do have schar we should for sure we should listen. Ah, oh, and now you couldn't say the kavachaimer. That was what was lost when the mechanistic manner of hitting the rock instead of speaking to it was was, was done. That is Rashi. Says the Rosh no. There was no problem with Myshra Rabbeinu hitting the rock. That was an honest understanding of what it means to When you speak to inanimate objects, the way to speak to them is perhaps to, to hit them, especially given prior experience. The problem was that hashem meant something different and it was a subtle little mistake but again for somebody at might have been his level such an ethereal such a spiritual person hashem punishes okay fine but says the rajbam hashem was sanctified at main mariva hashem was sanctified at main mariva because water did come out of a rock which is abnormal entirely abnormal in other words why is it that the Rajbam is saying that none of them are killed? None of them are killed because they bring a strange fire. This strange fire is a problem because the people are no longer going to be able to attribute the fire on the Mizbeach to God. None of them brought it. The fact that it got a little bit bigger now, the fact that it lasted longer, maybe there was extra energy, you know, there was extra coals or whatever, it, it, it hit. So that's why you can make the mistake of saying that this fire is a fire that's attributable to you it's attributable to human beings, and not to God. Therefore, of you have to die. By the case of Misha, the Raj Bhavan is saying no. Water from a rock, you can hit a rock a hundred times. But you hit a rock a thousand times, there's still no water going to be had from the rock. The fact that the rock gave forth water on a hit is by definition a sanctification of God's name. Which I find fascinating. Because since by definition it's miraculous, the hitting of it doesn't change the miraculous aspect of it. The people would still attribute that miracle to God. And therefore there was still a valley bomb Moshe Beinu has to be punished because Hashem is so because he, did, he didn't did 100% understand Hashem's command, so therefore he doesn't come to the land of Israel. But it was still Hashem's name was sanctified at May Mariva. Now, I would like to talk about another example. In this example of the Rajah is a little bit, not 100% clear to me. It sounds that um, seems to suggest something In one place and maybe contradicts it somewhere else so I want to I want to share with you the point and then the contradiction so the Vashbam in Parshah Shlach when he's talking about the conquering of the land of Israel he's very very clear that the Jewish people when they're going to go conquer the land of Israel they're going to do it in a non-miraculous manner he says the following he says you have to send spies you have to find out if it's a forested land or it's like very smooth if it's a very wet land in order that you are going to be able to win a war you have to have the you know the tools necessary to win the war and they have to be responsive to the situations that you're going to find so you, you wouldn't bring an aircraft carrier to fight a war in, you know, uh, in in the Moabite mountains, right? Why? By definition, right? You don't bring aircraft carriers on land. There's no benefit to them there. In the same way that you wouldn't bring tanks to go fight a battle in the ocean. Again, this is by definition. So says the Rajabam, in order to prepare the right military vehicles to win the war, the Jews have to have an expedition to go figure out what the land is like so they could be responsive in terms of creating the right vehicles to win. So he says, The Jewish people were convinced that Hashem is going to give them the land of Canaan. Ach! But not without working for it. So in other words, remember what we said already in the beginning of Paras of Shana, where the Rosh says that there was a fear that the Jewish people might think, that they were bigger at least than the seven nations, says the Reshba, no, no, you're not, the terrorists are going to tell you, you're not even bigger than any of the seven nations, you've got to attribute your victory to me. But what kind of victory was that going to be? That was not going to be a victory that was going to be entirely miraculous. The Jews were going to have to put in his dadless, says the Reshba, when the Jews were going to go out to fight, they were going to have to know, know how to fight, and and they were gonna have the They're gonna to have to figure out what kind of a land it is that they're fighting for. And to figure out if they need supply lines is the do they have to have long supply lines in order to be able to um, feed the armies? Are they sitting they have to know how they're gonna fight? They have to be able to prepare the war prepare the strategies for the war prepare the military vehicles for the war and this is a key line in the Rosh bomb they were going to win the war for sure I've got the land of Israel ah not belight to not without working they were going to have to work this was not a situation of the desert where the Ananiac cover protected the Jewish people no this is a situation where they're just coming to the land of Israel they have to work. They have to put in a stylus to win the war. If they don't, they will lose. And we see in the various different attacks that the Jewish people had, sometimes it was very much miraculous intervention, but very often, or, or most often, there was a situation where the Jewish people were fighting, and Hashem is assisting them with the miraculous aspects of it. It's not the thing leading the war. However, in Paschus Akav. In our parasha this week, the Rosh Brahm seems to suggest a little bit differently. He says over here that the apostle the says, that Hashem is going to get rid of them fast. It says, All the wars that you're going to fight, you're going to win quickly. Without work. But what did he just say? What did he just say in, in parasha shlach? He said the opposite. In Shlach, he said that when you're going to go fight, um, not without effort. You're going to have to have effort. And here he says, so You're going to win quickly without working too hard. Right? Without having to need um, traps and uh, ambushes and 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 the like, so I think I think the key words here to say why it's not a contradiction in the Rashbam is because he says Yomim many days. You'll need to do a little bit of it, but not for many days. So in other words, we are we are grading exactly what the level is of Hashem and the Jewish people in the Rashbam's mind. In the Rashbam's mind, the Jews are going to come to the land of Israel they're gonna to have to fight they're gonna fight and they're gonna do a status they're gonna spy they're gonna figure it all out in terms of being responsive to what the needs are that they have to do it in a normative way but don't get confused for a second that this war is being victorious because you're more numerous or because god is you know making it super easy or because you're or you're making it super easy because of your strength it's like a Baruch who's making it super easy it's like You're not the biggest. You're winning for miraculous reasons. But you're doing this nice figment of of, 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 of uh, cloaking things by showing your Heshtabah. You're being Paisach, the Pisgah Shalmach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is fighting the war. So, that seems to me the right way to read the Rosh Bam with the Rosh Bam that we just saw in Pashash Now, I would like to do another couple of examples where I know we're getting a little limited on time, but I have a few more examples to show, again, this preoccupation of the Rashbam with Karech of We mentioned this already before, that after the, the fight with Kerach, so Kerach and they're all dead. And they're all dead, but the Jewish people aren't happy. They say, to Rabbeinu, Atem Hamitem Asam they're not impressed, they, the way many of them first understand it, is that Maishu Rabbeinu engineered the Battle of the Tyrus, knowing that they would die, that really at the end of the day there was no need for that showdown to happen, and Maishu Rabbeinu ensured that they would be killed by demanding that showdown. The response after that is that the Kodesh Baruch who starts making a magefa, and the Jewish people start dying. And Meishia tells Aaron to take keteres and to run and and um, you know wave the keteres pan by the by the magefa to thereby stop the magefa. So the keteres, as it were, is what is enabling the magefa to stop. So as Brown points out very beautifully. That he When the terrorist was done in the hands of a Levite, in the hands of Karech so then it kills, it doesn't help at all. But when the Kteris, when the fire pan is in the hands of a Kayan, in the hands of Aaron Achaian, then it brings then it brings life. Then it brings saving. So that's a fundamental difference between Aaron between the Quran and the Levim, So the uh the, the the hint it should be giving you in the head, right, is about like, oh, the same thing is the thing that kills you is the thing that makes you live. All right, we have other examples of that, right? You remember then Parsha afterwards with the snake. The Jewish people are complaining again. Right? Now Shina Kutzabalachemakaliko. So Hashem sends out the Nechashim Asraf and Vaynashkas am Rav (coughs) And Mashra Benu says, Mashra Benu says that Hashem says to Mashra, make a snake on a stick, and whoever looks at the snake on the stick is going to survive. So why? The snake was just killing you. Now the snake is making you survive. So, brother Rashbam, they were explained based upon Chazal, right? That you're going to look up at the Sharmayim. right? What happened? The powers of a shalach when the Jewish people are fighting the war against the Amalekites. Again, the same idea. So, the Mishnah Rosh Hashanah tells us that it's not. It's not, of course, the the hands of Mashiach that win wars. It's the Jewish people looking up to heaven. It's the Jewish people looking up to heaven. It's them realizing that it's not the snake that kills. right? It's the sin that kills in the story of Rebbe Mendesa Right? Rebbe and Mendesah, the famous story, the Gemara says in Brachas that there was a, a scorpion, a snake, whatever, that was giving them a lot of problems. And he went to the the, the ditch or whatever where it lived and put his feet over it and the the, the snake had bit him and the snake died him and Esau was fine why because he said that it's not the snake that kills it's the sin that kills in other words it's all Kodesh Baruch barhu it's all Kodesh Baruch barhu that's doing it and the Rashid Brahm is commenting in each place with his in this case one-liners to make the idea clear that the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, or the or the or the, or the, or the snake the reason for all of that is in order to make you remember that it's Hashem the one who's towing eye for all of this. It's Hashem the one who's doing it all. It's not natural in any way. And therefore, in that sense, it seems that Again, the Rajbam is reiterating the idea that we cannot attribute anything for real unless it's being attributed, unless we're giving the attribution to Akbar's Baruch. So here it comes out in a very interesting Rajbam. And this is the Rajbam by the Mun. You all know in Pajbashach we first introduced to the Mun, but we also have it here in Pajbashach. In Parshat Ekev, we talk about the man again. And what do we have in Parshat Ekev about the man? The Posik tells us that Hashem what what gave you this man lamana nocha, nasay socha, dasa shebel right? Hashem wants to know. also nashechmam tzvais So what does it mean lamana nocha? Inoi. Inoi is right to sort of afflict you. Right the Jewish people were 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 in in Egypt for 400 years Right? Abame they had inoi what does it mean? In what way were they afflicted? How is the man an affliction? How is the man an affliction? So if you compare this let's say to Rashi and Paras and Rashi says, you want to know the Inui, Hashem is testing the Jewish people out of the man on a sin or You want to know what the test was? What's the test of the man? Says Rashi. The test of the man was in yishmiru mitzvah are you keeping the mitzvahs that are command to do with the month? What are the mitzvahs that have to do with the month? Well, you know, uh, the mitzvah of Shabbos, right? Not to not to go out on Shabbos to take it. Um, that's what Rashi says. What does the Rashbam say? You want to know what the test is here? You want to know what they were afflicted with? The Inui was she pas pass You don't have you don't have a bank account. You don't have a savings account. You don't know where you're going to eat tomorrow. Your lives are dependent. They're hanging on a thread with HaKadosh Baruch Hu every single day. Every day you wake up and you don't know if your bank account has been refilled. You don't know if you're going to be able to eat today. That was the test. And the Raj says, and he repeats it in in in, in, Shemites, in Mishalach, Because every single day they had to worry about their bread. Every single day. Therefore they're going to believe that it's all from Hashem. Because they see it every single day. Where's the bread coming from? Not from their work. Not from their toil. They didn't have any farms. They weren't doing anything. Where's the food coming from? Solely from Hashem. So according to the Rashbam, you want to know what the test of the man was? The test of the man was to attribute the man to Hashem, not to take any pride or any satisfaction or any giving themselves a a a yashukayach that they had done a good job. You did nothing. It all came from God. According to Rashi, the test of the man is to keep the mitzvahs associated with the man. According to the Rajban, the whole test of the man is a test of It's a test to say that it's not you. That you're attributing your success and your survival only to HaKadosh Baruch The Ibn Ezra, for example, uh, the Ibn Ezra, for example, says, you want to know. He entirely interprets the Vayancha, Vayari Vecha, very differently. He says the test The inoy, this test that the Hashem is doing to the Jewish people has nothing to do with the man. He says the vayancha is ba the fact that they were on the road for so many years. He says perhaps the test on the man was the fact that it never satiated them for real. It was very light. He doesn't like that shot so much, but he says the test, the test was the traveling, the test. Was the man not being a good, you know, a good, solid steak? This is very different than Rashi, and it's very different than the Rashbam. The Rashbam test of the man is specifically a Keiq test. By the way, the Ramban here says that that is the test. The test was that the Nisayan for them with the man was what? <speaking in Hebrew> they had no options except for the man. It wasn't six-course dinners. So they never had anything like this before. And they had it every single day. Imagine you want to make dinner for your kids. And every single day, it's pasta. Every single day. And at some point, the, the pasta is... Right? It's going to come out of your nose. You're going to go crazy. That was the test, says the Ramban. The fact that there was no variation on the menu. And of course, the Jewish people weren't so successful with that test. They complained. Right? They needed other things. So as I mentioned, the Rashbam seems to find the lesson again and again. Um, he seems again to find it in Parshas of Egev. The Pazik says, Hashem is going to bring you to this good land. Says the Rashbam, Hashem is bringing you to this good land. And at the end, when you come into this good land and you're successful, then you're going to forget about Hashem. Therefore, I command you to remember the road. And the fact that Hashem sustained you from heaven with the man. And you will know that the success of a man isn't from his own strength. In other words, in the land of Israel, when you're working the fields, it's hard to make the attribution that God is Baruch. It's like by another of an you. It's an age Zara. It's not a, a situation where Hashem is Makudash. Why? Because you can mistake the fire as coming from a Hedyat. As opposed to a situation like May Meriva, where even you hit the rock a thousand times, the fact that a rock gives water is ipso facto, innately. Miraculous. So when you come into the land of Israel, it's more close to the Eshzar of Nadav and Avihu. It's a situation where you could get confused and start saying, "Look, I worked so hard. I knew the right way to do drip irrigation. I knew the right time to plant. I knew the right time to harvest. I have the right weed killer. Therefore, I've had such a bumper crop." And that's why you're commanded not to forget what Hashem did in the feud in the desert, when there there was no doubt about it. There was no ability to deny in the desert that it wasn't Hashem. Hashem was 100% all the time. Of course, there's one other time in Devarim where you expect the Rashbam to talk about and he does. And that is in the parish of Bikurim. Right? The nature of the firstborn is to be able to take the thing after the, all the labor that you've had, the first uh, um, fruit, and to give that to Hashem. To say that, it's all from Hashem. It's not from me that I had, I had all this success. So the Bam says over here the following. He says, When you, when you come to the make you say, This wasn't done by me. The reason I was able to have this success is because you, Hashem, you gave it to me. You merited me to be able to be this successful. So, therefore, I'm coming back, bringing this to you, and acknowledging that my success was due to you. Again, the fear, the pervasive fear of that needs to be eradicated wherever it pops up. However, I wanted to conclude tonight by talking about one other place where the Rajbam is obviously talking about Kaychav But it's not a Kaychav of the Jewish people. It's a k'echi v'aytim yadi of the non-Jewish people. And this is a very, very unbelievable and perhaps scary part of the Devarim all the way at the end. At the end, the Torah tells us, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people. I'm going to get rid of any remembrance of them. But I'm not. In the end, I'm not going to do it. Why not? i'm not going to do it because of the fact that the non-jews are going to poke fun what are they going to say the non-jews are going to say that you want to know why the jewish people were, were destroyed it's not because of hashem destroying the jewish people it's because of us we were successful. We, it's like, imagine Hitler saying, look what I did with my final solution. And not giving the credit to Hashem Baruch Hu. Hashem wanted there to be that. Says the Rajbam, I said I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to get rid of the Jewish people. I'm going to get rid of the Jewish people if not for the fact that I'm afraid that they're going to take credit for themselves. In other words, our saving grace, that HaKadosh Baruch who doesn't destroy the Jewish people despite our deserving of it, is because the non-Jews are going to say, yadi. The non-Jews are going to take credit for themselves having the success at eradicating or harming the genocides, the inquisitions, the pogroms against the Jewish people. Hashem doesn't want that to happen. So therefore, He can't destroy us. He can't let us be destroyed. If you look at Rashi over there, Rashi says something similar, but not exactly. Rashi says, what's the fear of Hashem? They're going to take the credit for themselves and their gods and not give me the credit. The Rashbam's not worried about their gods. Rashi says they're going to take the credit. Their credit alone is enough. He doesn't need to blame their success on their gods, because that, like I said, for the Rajbam, just alone is enough. And again, the, the passage continues, right? They're, they're, uh, it's like a snake, their wine. says the Rajbam, the same idea. They should have been drinking this poison, this venom. If not for the because they're going to say that our hands did this success. Again, the idea being that no kaiyche yadi. Or again, the non-Jews are going to say, "Where is their God?" Right? Where is the rock? So it says the Rashbam. The nations are going to say, "Where's the God of the Jews?" And because of the honor of my name, I'm going to rescue them from their enemies. I'm going to take revenge on their enemies. Even though normally I would have wanted to destroy the Jewish people, why? Because they deserve it, and get rid of their memories under the earth if not for the fact that the non-Jews are going to take such a thrill that they're going to take credit for the destruction of the Jewish people. But when it gets so big, the, the, the poverty, right, by the Jewish people over here is referred to as the Sani and the, the non are going to say, Rama, it's because of us, of this success. They're going to say, where's their God? we are the ones who who, who enabled this victory? Therefore, <coughs> I am going to make sure the Jews come out and survive and have success in order to ensure that the game don't say, The last thing for tonight, is one more Rajbam. And this Rajbam is, guess where? Parashas Ekev. And in this week's Parashas, the Rajbam says something that, as I say, is very scary. Here the Rajbam says, and again, I'm not so sure that it's clear in the Pesukim, but it's a very long Rajbam. So when you have a very long Rajbam, it's clearly he's trying to say something that's that's preoccupying him, as it were. And over here he's on the puzzle of es not not powerfully Hashem asabbar miyam asabbar he says, why does he have to say all this time about Moshe Rabbeinu falling on his face to daven for Hashem that's not powerfully Hashem asabbar miyam asabbar malaila? It's not pulty. Why do I have to tell you all this? It's not pulty. It's not pulty. Why? Why is it so important that I'm telling you all these points? Says the Rav around the point is the following. He says chachma gedayla yeshkan. There's some very supernal wisdom here. Kashem etayru. You might say, You might say, Look, you see back in the day when the Jewish people did the Egel, and he was able to save the Jewish people. So maybe, when now in the land of Israel, if we sin in the land of Israel, we're going to daven, and Hashem is going to save us too. The Nebim are going to daven for us, and we're going to be saved. Amar l'hem Ma'isha. is telling the Jewish people, "Loy Tefilas Israel. Davening doesn't work when you are in the land of Israel. Why not? Ki Aton Eskaper Because the whole reason that the Jewish people got kapar in the desert, despite the Eser Pa'Amim that were they were they were Hashem, the fact that they tested Hashem all these many times in the desert, the reason that they nevertheless survived." Was because of a very simple fact that Hashem didn't want there to be a Hashem of His name, and that's what measure says. That's what I daven for. <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem didn't have the strength to bring the Jews into the land of Israel. Meir Shapira kept on hammering home that it's like a chil Hashem, that the people and around the nations are going to say Hashem didn't have the ability to bring the Jews into the land of Israel, and that's the reason that Hashem allowed you to continue moving on and to get into the land of Israel. But once, once you already got to the land of Israel, and once you already killed the 31 kings, and once you conquered the seven nations, and now you're living comfortably as in the land of Israel, and then you don't behave, at that point in time, Hashem is not worried about letting you lose the land of Israel. Why? Because it's not a chil Hashem. It's not, no one's going to say Hashem didn't have the strength to get you into the land of Israel because He got you in, and you won. So at that stage, then Hashem is going to be willing to let you be thrown out of the land as we never have seen in the destruction of the first and second temples that Hashem allowed us to be exiled from the land. Because there's no longer a Hashem because no other nations are going to say that Hashem didn't have the strength. Hashem obviously had the strength. He brought you into the land of Israel. Well, the, instead the nations are going to say Yisrael Chatu the Jewish people sinned. As we see later on in Parshish Nitzav, and Vamru Kalagayim, the nations are going to say, Hashem. Why did Hashem do this? The reason is because Hashem Because the Jewish people abandoned the Bris. So in other words, so, the, so to conclude this, is that the Rajbam is worried about the, what? The Kachy V'Aitzim Yadi of the nations. That they should get, they take too much credit and they're not going to think about Hashem being the one who wants this to happen. But when it comes to the land of Israel specifically, in terms of Hashem protecting the Jewish people and not allowing them to be thrown out of the land because of Chil HaShem, that's no longer. That's no longer. Hashem is not going to be worried about Chil HaShem anymore because He already brought the Jews into the land. But to let us be totally destroyed, that He won't let either. If people are going to give credit to themselves, if people are going to not realize that it's Hashem the one that wants to do it, that He's the one who wants to punish the Jewish people, So then Hashem will stop it and prevent that from happening. And this is our big Nechama. The fact that Hashem has repeatedly stopped us from going the way most other nations who've had our history have gone, which is into the dustbin of history. We continue on thriving. There is no diminution of our parts. We manage to continue on from day after day, year after year, and thrive and thrive no matter how much they put against us. Again, we should never forget that it is not but rather to zachar tekihu anosim Have a good Shabbos. Good Shabbos.